gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Wednesday night for your Thursday morning delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so. Heck, maybe even 90 minutes or so because we have a, a treat for you all. Well, first of all, we are going to cover the latest news in mixed martial arts. And I guess, to be honest, boxing because Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. It is on Saturday. But yeah, we have two events. There's a Bellator event. There's a UFC event. So we'll uh, do quick previews of that. And of course, the 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 little surprise we have you all is a pre-record that we did with Ben Askren, who's releasing a book called Funky. It's available on Amazon or through Barnes and Noble. You can go to SimonAndSchuster.com. There's more ways to get the book there if you're not uh, if you're not trying to use one of those two outlets, popular outlets, I should say. Um, so it's going to be a fun show. It's going to be a little longer than usual, but uh, as always, I think it's going to be quality. So here we go. Because if there's going to be a theme to tonight, for me, a little bit, it's people be tripping. That's kind of what uh, I feel here as we're kind of going over some of the latest news. Uh, You know, we kind of did a little bit of this one on Triple G, so I'll start with this one. Josh Thompson calling out the media, making sure their asses are in the Saitama Super Arena on on December 31st for the collaboration between Ryzen and Bellator. So Saki Kabara and Scott Coker got together and they decided to do a, a card and our best versus your best. And that's why Bellator is sending some of their big ponies, man. They got Patricio Pitbull Frady, uh, AJ McKee, Juan Archuleta, and Kyoji Horiaguchi. And they're meeting up with uh, some of Ryzen's top stars. Now, of course, I get I give it a little bit of an eye roll as, as I appreciate the thought, the concept. And I guess anything can happen in MMA goes. I, I just feel like we're sending some killers over there. Some, you know, top 10, top 15 guys, uh, top five, even maybe in the case of AJ McKee and Pitbull Frady against maybe top 50. You know, like I, I'm not too comfortable from Ryzen's side. I, I hope I'm just wondering if our guys will get up for it. Yeah, that's, um, it's just hard. Like I remember when when it was announced, um, right away. The problem is like I couldn't even tell you like who the very top guys in Ryzen are. It's just it's not like it was a couple years ago. So it's fun that they're willing to do that. It's great that they have that relationship. I, I wish more uh, organizations would have it. Mm-hmm. But say if it were like one championship or something like that, I'd probably feel a little different. I, I think uh, I think I'd be more excited for something like that. But Ryzen just doesn't have. Uh, I'm not saying they don't stand a chance in these matchups. They just don't have the names that that really make make you want to put everything aside and start talking about this. Great, it's great, and we have to. That's part of our job. We're gonna. But uh, but we're not going to you know jump through your computer screens 
and scream at you and tell you, you gotta watch it. Are you are you insane? Like, really, if I watch it, it's because I want to see the Bellator guys fight. Yeah. One championship is actually a perfect uh, analogy to it because when Adriano Marias fought Demetrius Johnson, we had covered Adriano Marias sufficiently enough to know, hey, that's a pretty, pretty, really decent MFR over there. Like, it's not going to be a picnic, and we've heard of him. So he's got a belt that matters that we cover. You know, when Eddie Alvarez went to one championship, I think we were just excited about the prospects of are any of these guys, like I think his first opponent was Tim Nasty, we called him. Uh, is he like on the levels of a Christian Lee? Because what we're seeing from Christian Lee shows us that he might be a pretty tough cat if he were in the UFC. You know, so we're kind of connecting dots. So, yeah, one championship. I think that you're right. That would have got me really excited. But here's their opposition. McKee gets Roberto De Souza. I don't know. Um, Frady gets, well, we'll say Pitbull gets Clever, Koik, Erbst. And don't get mad at me for not knowing these. I, I don't think most people do. Um, Horiguchi gets Hiramosa, Ugly Kubo. And Archuleta gets C. Kui Kim. Goes, I promise you, I've never even heard of one of them. Mm-hmm. And we're not saying that these fights aren't going to be good. They could be good. All we're saying is we can't drop all of the other important stuff that are go- that's going on in our sport to focus on that. We'll bring it up. We'll talk about it. But uh, the tone of what he was saying was more along the lines of like, what are you doing talking about that UFC card that just happened? Or Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva when you could be talking about this. And I just don't know that uh, that it merits that. Yeah, and of course, he, being Josh Thompson, one of the hosts mm-hmm. there for Bellator on the desk, former Strike Force lightweight champ, um, just really coming at the media hard. It, it, it is a pretty big announcement. The collaboration, you have to tip your hat to. Who knows? What if they go 2-2 that night? We might just be going, eh. All right, you know, cool. But I'm telling you, you're going to see some real distorted odds. And when those people break down the fights, I think you're going to get your answer. You know, you're going to have four-figure favorites, you know, at least minus 1,000. In my opinion, that's kind of how I see it. But here's another one where people be tripping. Peter Yan just doesn't feel like the UFC's got his back and he would like to leave. (laughs) <laughs> as if it were that easy. If you didn't know, after almost 30 years in the sport, let's just say you weren't there at, in November 12, 1993, since day one, or when the Zufa era started, you know, in the early part of this millennium, whatever, the Spike era, the, you know, so Spike t- slash Tough era, the Fox era, I don't know. One thing we do know is that Nate Diaz had to jump through hoops and go through the ringer just to get free. And that was him on his last fight. Jan has multiple fights. He can't just exit. Now, him saying it to voice his frustration, I guess, I guess some of us say, if we don't utter it or speak it into the universe, it'll never happen. Sure, I think I've even said that. But, um, yeah, man, that's that's just not going to happen. It's, it's not going to It's not going to happen. I understand why he feels that way. Um, if you look at the way the UFC treats certain fighters, Sean O'Malley is definitely one of those where you just feel like, uh, 
he's very well liked, right, by the organization. So maybe it won't happen. But hell, you know what I would do, George, just to throw it out there? Mm. I'd say trade me. Trade me to Bellator. He lives in, if I'm not mistaken, he trains and lives in Thailand. So I thought you were just about to say one championship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he could possibly do the whole Bellator deal. Uh, I, I That would be interesting. But, you know, the let's just say let's entertain this. The UFC says we'll give you Peter Young. Who who do you give us? I mean, they may ask for AJ McKee. Well, I think you got to go for another bantamweight, right? I mean, I guess you don't have to. Oh, bantamweight. That's right. He's a bantamweight. But, um, but why not? Uh, I don't know. Give us Pettis and Pettis they had Pettis. They, didn't, they had Damn. Pettis and they didn't want him. So I guess it would have to be maybe Horiaguchi back. I think the UFC could look us in the eye and go, "Yeah, we blew it with that guy. That was the best." That's Stop. the best Japanese fighter ever. And I think he was 8-1. and one. His only loss was the DJ. Why the fuck wouldn't you keep him? That's a big – that's a country that's got a fighting spirit, man. That was a big, big fumble by them. So, yeah, I would ask for maybe him. And he speaks pretty good English too now. Or keeping with the Bantamweights. I'm not so sure if Archuleta has enough to offset Jan. No. You know, Jan's is their Stotts. Stotts is pretty money. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Stotts? But you can't do it straight up. You got to throw something else in, right? Probably. Yeah. Um, you know who else is tripping? Joe Rogan. He says he thought Jan should have won. But as I'm reading the article, his explanation for it all is unRogan like. Rogan's a hardcore. He probably has forgotten more than most of us know about the sport. But some of the stuff he was saying almost leads you to believe, like, he kind of covers his ass enough so that we don't really, really have to believe that you almost have to believe that he's a noob. But he was just saying stuff like he he understands that the 10-9 system is not good for our sport. But he's talking about these six takedowns and whether there was enough control time or whether there wasn't or whether getting up from the takedown was good or whether the, the, the um, significant strike advantage that O'Malley had was more significant, I guess, than than the strikes that Jan had plus the takedowns. Folks, let me just dumb it down as easy as I can for this fight in particular. We know Jan won round two, and we know O'Malley won round three. No one has a question about that. If you look I've, on them, I've seen some people say that. I've seen some people three zero. Most people thought Jan won three zero. No, I'm saying I've seen some people say three zero. 3-0 what? Jan. That's what I asked. Okay. Um, but what I'm saying is the judges. As mm-hmm. far as the judges go, three judges had O'Malley winning round three, and three judges had Jan winning round two. The only time they split was round one. So almost kind of what happened in the other rounds, it doesn't matter as much because the round in question is the first round. So all these takedowns and this control time that may or may not have happened, that's you only discuss that if you're judging it under pride rules where you judge the, the, entire, the entirety of the fight. And I think if you judge the entirety of the fight, Peter Yan won. Because now you can talk about how the six takedowns 
and the fact that he hit him with some good shots as well as when, you know, O'Malley hit him with some good shots across the 15 minutes. I thought Jan had enough significant strikes to kind of hang in there with O'Malley, but the takedowns were this deciding, you know, because he had what five or almost six minutes of control time. He didn't really damage him too much, but he did. He, he was doing something while O'Malley wasn't because O'Malley was obviously on the bottom, but it's not that way. It is 10, nine. And so basically we have to go back and watch why did round one go the way it did? Because if two judges would have said Jan instead of O'Malley, then there's no problems here. You know, now you brought something up MMA decisions. I'm going to look at it real quick. I want to see how many people actually had um, three nothing yawn. The night of, I thought it was three nothing yawn. I'm not saying landslide, but I thought he did enough to win all three. Let's see here. Um, see on MMA decisions, no one's got it. Thirty. Oh wait, I take it back. Um, seven, seven outlets had it. Thirty twenty-seven yawn. And then I would say another 21 outlets, so three times as much, had a 29-28 yawn, which is kind of what I had the night of the fight. Mm-hmm. Matt Wells had a 29-28 O'Malley. So, yeah, overwhelmingly in Yon's favorite. I thought Yon won it. And trust me, when I rewatched it, the only thing I said was, yeah, I could see why they could call it for O'Malley because he had the most significant strike. But it was only one. That's it. The rest of the time, they were hitting each other. But, you know, they were either uh, redirecting, you know, like maybe getting a forearm up or maybe rolling with a punch. Like it wasn't – they were impactful strikes. They were hard ones. And I'm talking about one where someone went, whoa, you know, and like maybe their knees just gave out a little bit or it it it, it rang their bell. The hardest one came from O'Malley. And the takedown that I did see from Peter Yawn, I count the takedown. I sure do. But it wasn't consequential in terms of like a dominance or damage or anything like that. Not even much duration, to tell you the truth. And the one that where O'Malley kind of was, uh, you know, got it, got something with like three seconds left. Nothing really came of that either. So it really kind of almost came down to significant strikes. And Sean O'Malley had 23. The other guy had 19. And I thought O'Malley of the 23, he had the hardest one. So, uh, you know, you just, I don't know. I think people have to be willing to accept, well, okay, I, I could see the 10 9 there, you know, because. Trust me, those judges even had better seats than us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, you know, Rogan goes through this whole like little roller coaster of explaining what happened kind of throughout the duration of the fight, and uh, that that sounds almost more like of a discussion of a of a pride rules type fight because I think we're all in agreement that Jan seemed to utilize more of his tools across that time, um, but. that's not how it went down. It went down as three separate rounds. How were they judged? And that was the difference. Um, Anyway, any final thoughts on Jan and O'Malley and Jan wanting to leave? I just, you know, I want to say it's silly talk, but we've seen crazier things, Um, but it's, it's not going to happen. I don't think. Anderson Silva's tripping goes, he does an interview where he says that in practice, he got knocked down twice. And, now he he wants to take it back. So well, he, he said he locked. got he got knocked out twice. He he wants to get he wants to take it back. And what did I say? Knocked down. Okay, yeah, knocked out, knocked out. And um, he wants to take it back. He's also saying that the interview was conducted in September, so it wasn't like it was this week. Except the, the interview was released this week, and he wants to take it back. And then I was floating through. Uh, 
Twitter and our social media in general. And I, I couldn't confirm, but that the Arizona Athletic Commission is looking into this or whatever. Um, well, you said it, Anderson. You know, you said it. And whether it got lost in translation or not, I, I, I don't know. I've yet to see the interview, but the quotes are there. Usually a, a website like MMA Weekly won't just kind of like ask, you know, Google Translate or anything like that. I mean, usually you kind of run it by someone and then an editor. And so I imagine that they got the story right. But um, I don't know. I mean, it, you said it, Anderson, is all I can say. I mean, I I, I sort of believe him in the sense that uh, knockout and knockdown are very close words and English mm-hmm. is not his first language. So I would imagine that over the course of his career, he would know how stupid it would be to say, I got knocked out twice. So I actually believe him on this one. Uh, but you can't really fault people for thinking you a lie, right? Right. And here's the thing. I think a lot of times, I've seen it especially in radio where people tend to embellish a little, sell it a little, add like a subplot to the whole thing, you know, um, not knowing that there could be consequences to what you're saying. So I think something like that probably did happen. I mean, think about how difficult it would probably be, first of all, in an environment where you're going hard but not actually trying to knock each other out. You happen to get a you know, someone who is so revered, so talented like Anderson Silva. He may not be like he was when he was 30 with his cat-like reflexes, but he still has pretty decent reflexes. But either even then, you're not really going after him like that, you know? Like, you're not testing Mm -hmm. yourself. This is a legend, you know? So maybe you rang his bell, but um, that it wasn't communicated to, to us that way. You know what I mean? Right, and you would have had to have done it then somebody scrapes Anderson off the ground and says, you know what? Let's do this again. Right. And then he gets, I mean, that those things don't really happen. So I believe him. Uh, but he was kind of getting a little upset with people for passing around fake data or whatever the hell he called it. Um, that I don't know that you can do because if the words did come out of your mouth then that's kind of on you. Yeah. Lastly, th- there's one really good fight that's kind of, uh, going under the radar. So Dakar Close can't go against Grant Dawson uh, at UFC Fight Night 214. So Mark Madsen's going to step in. Madsen is undefeated in this sport. He just hasn't fought very often. And Grant Dawson has a pretty damn good record himself. So Madsen comes in at 12-0 and overall, 4-0 in the UFC. And Grant Dawson's 18-1-1, 6-0-1 in the UFC. That's actually a good fight to put together by two guys that just don't have a name that pops, you know. And, and mm-hmm. I'll respect the Madsen silver medalist and Greco-Roman. It's just that a lot of people don't know that. Again, it kind of gets lost and buried because of the inactivity, the fact that he's really, really reserved guy. Um, but those guys, along with that, the the fisherman, <laughs> what's his name again? The one that Kevin Lee knocked out? Oh, uh, Gillespie. Huh? Gregor Gillespie. Gillespie, yeah. Those guys have been kind of log jammed in that 10 to 15 range in the rankings. And you got veterans that are kind of falling by them, like you know, like your Ferguson's and Conor McGregor's. And then you got other guys above them, like Chandler's and Poyer's and Gaethje's. Um, but these guys, they just don't make their move. They should have made their move a while ago. 
the winner of this fight obviously puts themselves in a good position. But they have just kind of been chilling. They don't fight very often. I don't know. Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Lemos. Uh, Neil Magny versus Daniel Rodriguez. So that fight's, that's, that fight's coming up here in a few weeks. But that's a good fight announcement, in my opinion. And lastly, Sanhagen tells Cheeto Vera, hey, I did want to fight you. It's just I don't want to fight you in three weeks. Cheeto Vera says, why are you calling me out if you're not going to take the fight? And he says, well, the circumstances were different. I just fought a month ago against Song Yadong, mm-hmm. and now this fight's going to come up in three weeks. That just kind of doesn't fit right. Give me a full camp. We can fight in February or whatever. And then he goes to point out and say, well, Vera, you've done interviews where you said, I only want to fight people that are ahead of me, but yet you wound up fighting Dominic Cruz, who was behind you in the rankings. So sometimes you go with the draw. I thought it was a great explanation. He did it on Instagram. And uh, maybe that'll have Cheeto Vera pipe down a little. Though I do like a feisty Cheeto Vera, don't get me wrong. So hopefully this leads to an opportunity. But what I'm seeing here is the beginning of Sterling versus Sean O'Malley is pretty much dead set, locked in. Because why would these two be fighting, you know, Vera, who clearly has a win over Sean O'Malley, pretty much conceding, okay, O'Malley's popular and he just beat Peter Yan. Ain't no way I'm getting a title shot. Uh, what about the wild card of Henry Cejudo, though? Yeah, I think, okay, if you're Sterling, you probably want O'Malley, and I'll tell you why. A, he's just a bigger, um, he's a bigger prize, more money. B, he's probably a better matchup for him because he Sterling can just pretty much take down anyone. He's obviously going to struggle with people that can wrestle. And that's something Henry Henry Cejudo can do. However, Henry Cejudo also hasn't fought in a minute. So getting him off rust, you know, and inactivity, that might pretty that might be pretty interesting too. And maybe Henry were doubting his ability to pull in numbers um as well. It could be a decent payday. I still just don't believe it would be the payday that O'Malley would would, would generate. Yeah, I guess I can't argue that. Um I don't. I don't think uh, O'Malley would fight. Let's just say it was Udo. <clears throat> I don't think o- O'Malley would fight anyone else. I think he'd just sit there and get the winner. Yeah, that's what I would do. That that one win against Peter Young was like three wins. It was worth three wins for Peter uh, for Sean O'Malley. It was mm-hmm. worth beating like we'll say a Sunsell, Garbrandt, and Munoz. You know, he just like literally leapfrogged everyone by beating Peter Young. Yeah. Um. Uriah Hall, he's on that fight card with Jake, uh, Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. Pretty chilling to hear him during the uh, scrums that they had with the media there, the open workouts, saying he contemplated wanting to take his life, and he even reached for a a handgun. Uh, For one week, he didn't come out of the house. And but then he kind of explains, man, when you've been doing something for 20 years and at least the last 10 have been in the UFC. So before that, competing as a martial artist um, and then all of a sudden your life changes and you have no reason to step out the door because you kind of have no plan. He says, you know, crazy thoughts creep into your head. Um, I hadn't heard anyone put it like that, I guess, but I'm glad he did i'm not glad he went through it but i'm glad he did and hopefully this allows others that might be experiencing the same thing to 
know that there's people that go through what you're going through and that you can reach out to people like them. I don't know how open hall is to talking to people, but at least seeking help and, and all that. Now, what, what did kind of like make me think a little was apparently the UFC has the ability to counsel you, has the resources for anyone that's feeling that way. But the question is, we don't know if that works for your retired fighters. And that brings back the whole conversation of having um, like a retirement, you know, and insurance and for for the fighters, you know, like pensions of some sort. Not all of them are going to qualify. Maybe you have to have a certain minimum of fights or years, you know, tenure in the company. But boy, would I really love to reinvigorate that chat and, and just have this type of resource be available to those athletes, too, the ones that have retired. Yeah, always check in. Always, always uh, reach out to somebody because there's there's always going to be people that are willing to talk to you. And sometimes it's just uh, you have to think outside of your own mind. Yeah, he said just stepping outside the house and seeing sunlight made him happy. And now he's getting out and he's walking. And I thought, wow, just the importance of that morning walk that you see is a, a big part of some people's lives. Um, I, when I would go to walk in the park, sometimes when I go like on a two week run, three week run of doing it, you see those familiar faces, you know, and you can tell it's part of their life every day they do it and it brings something to them, whether it's just the sunlight itself, the fresh air, but it, it just starts to get the uh, engine going inside of your brain. Mm -hmm. All right. So folks, we're going to close with this. Um, we're going to talk to, this is a pre-record of us talking to Ben Askren, and he's got a book coming up called Funky. You go to simonandschuster.com, and you put Ben Askren or Funky in there. You'll get links to all the different ways in which you can buy the book or get it in an audio form or get it digitally. You know, However, I know easy that most of us buy from Amazon or Barnes & Noble's walk-in. That's how you can buy it. So I know I can tell you that much. And... Before we get to it, because when we get to it, we'll come back real fast just to kind of give you our final thoughts on the interview. I just want to tell people that this week we have Bellator 287 in Milan, Italy, and UFC Fight Night 213, Cater versus Allen here in Las Vegas. So those are the big shows. Those are the two big, big promotions going at it. All right. Without further ado, Ben Askren. going on junkie nation gorgeous george and goes deliver again yet another superstar from the world of combat sports not just mma of course decorated wrestler and mma fighter former ben Askren. how you doing ben former fighter i'm retired yeah. and now author and now author yes so look at that bad boy we turn into a best-selling author that would be really tremendous i haven't had a bookmark in a long time hey but, there uh, we go yeah i dove into it it's a fun read it's really really nice yeah, yeah it is a fun read you made yes. it a fun read Thank you. anything you were talking about whether it was the the football stuff when you were younger yeah. uh -huh. or, or that neck injury that almost yeah. cut everything short yeah um it was fun one of my favorite things by the way was you and uh max so you got two uh -oh. choices. We're either going to wrestle. <laughs> you know, did you know Goes is my uh, little brother? Did you know that? Guess, we look exactly alike. Are you alike, guys messing right? with me? No, he really, we're nine years apart, but he really is my little brother. Okay. And, right. uh, you don't have to keep saying little, but. Yeah, yeah that would, uh, no, that's, uh, you know, that's how we go down at my house because, um, so my dad. Uh, <laughs> well, let me finish the quote. Let me get the quote in okay, and then we'll talk sure, about it. Sure, yes. The choices for Max Askren was <laughs> we can either wrestle 
or I'm going to beat you up. And yeah. I guess Max had gotten so tired of the wrestling part that he says, all right, go ahead. Just beat me up. Like No, that's that's just how he always was. Oh, really? From birth. Yeah. And now, you know what? Now he's got a two-year-old now. And the two-year-old, is he's the same way because he doesn't listen worth a damn. Uh-huh. He's so cute. He don't listen to nothing. Can you so, imagine that, though? Like, <laughs> go ahead, just beat me up. No, like, that's uh, how, yeah. let's, let's just get it over with. It almost yeah. sounded, you know, not to sound like to compare it to, but um, uh, the movie that we were like in prison with, with Tim Robbins. Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. We were in prison. Oh. We liked the movie. Remember, remember when he you says, uh, let's just get it over with? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's talking about something else, but still. Yeah. Like, uh that relationship well, you had with him, you, but you guys made each yeah. other better and all that. Well, you know what? He didn't really start liking wrestling until a little bit later, and that, that was part of the issue, right, is I had the strong desire um, when I was younger, and he didn't want anything to do with it, really, or you know, kind of like did it, but kind of did all the sports and just wasn't heavily interested. Um, you know what? It, it was probably a wise strategy because mo- most of the times I'd probably be like, ah, he's just sitting there. I'm Guilty not, I'm not going to beat him <laughs> up, you know? Like It's like, why would you want to beat up someone who's playing dead? It doesn't make any right. sense, you know? So maybe I'd like punch him once and I'd be like, all right, this, this is But done. that was still the best competition you can get in the neighborhood? Was uh, It was just, there's, I didn't, you know, and this is part of the reason that Max and I started Ashcombe Wrestling Academy in 2011 is because even at that time, which is significantly after we graduated high school, there was nowhere to wrestle year-round, mm. you know? And we had the strong desire to wrestle year-round. He didn't get it till he was about 14 or 15, and that's when I was almost out of the house, right? Because I was three grades older than he was. Um, so I was about ready to go to Mizzou, and that was kind of when he started getting passionate about wrestling, and obviously he ended up winning a national title as well. Um, yeah, but so before that, it was just like, I was just, uh, I always needed partners. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was just kind of like, how do I find partners to, to keep, you know, to keep me active on the wrestling mats? And I, sometimes I didn't get them, so I'd just do like stance in motion, just do anything I could, or lift weights, or go running, or all these things that I could do by myself. Um, yeah, so now now we start asking Wrestling Academy and kids can wrestle year round if they love it and uh you know that's kind of the opportunities we want to provide. To be fair, you initially didn't like wrestling. You were um, you were kind of gravitating to the other sport. There was one year. Yeah. So yeah, my and freshman was it the football game freshman. that kind of put you in the mind of like, man, I can't depend on these yahoos. Yeah. I I got to be the one that gets it done. Yeah, so um okay, so my First grade year, I didn't like wrestling. I didn't want to go back out my second grade year. My dad got a few of my friends to do it, so I did it also. And I think at that point, it wasn't like I liked it more than anything else or didn't like it more. I was just kind of like, I kind of like did all the sports seasonally, you know? Uh, but yeah, so then the once in, I think it was fourth grade for soccer and fifth grade for football. And this really, really drove me into wrestling. And it's kind of like, when I, when I talk to kids today, it's like, well, this, this is one of the things that really drew me in is, there's just this aspect of self-reliance to it. It's you, it's the other person. You shake hands, the referee keeps score essentially, mm-hmm. but that's it. There's gonna be nobody helping you, right? So it's your fault and your fault only if you lose. It's your fault and your fault only if you win. And so yeah, the, with other sports, it's like well, there's so many people to rely on. And you know, I was like probably an average football player and an average soccer player, but that I was competitive, right? So I wanted to win. And in wrestling, I found that you know, the harder I worked and the, the better I, the better I did. So I just kept working harder and I kept doing better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to ask a question about this academy mm-hmm. and the yeah. frame mind of, of yeah. what these kids are thinking. Mm-hmm. Because when we first started our show, when we first started watching MMA, there were a lot of breakdowns that included striker, ver- striker versus grappler, right? Yeah. But now these kids have been doing everything from yeah, the beginning. Yeah. Their mindset, do they ever tell you, I want to wrestle? 
but I also want to have this as my base when I get older. I want to do MMA. Yeah. Do a lot of kids think that uh, way? I don't know about I don't know about a lot. There, I mean, y yes, I hear it for sure. Um, so we actually have five academies. Um, so we have three in the Milwaukee area, then one in Green Bay and one in Madison. Um, we definitely hear that. And my response to most of them is is something to the effect of like, if you can be really, really good at this wrestling, it's freaking hard. If you can figure out how to be good at this, you can figure out how to be good at that too, right? Mm -hmm. I, uh, but I do not advocate MMA. There's very, very, I'll tell you, there's like two people I've ever advocated MMA to. I'll tell you who they are. Um, I usually advocate against MMA. It is a shitty career. You know, I say out of the, out of the many thousands of people across America who want to do MMA, man, if you make it to the UFC, okay, this, this, how, this mm -hmm. is what I talk them through when, when they're like not that skilled. Make it to the UFC, which that's hard, right? You're gonna have to do a bunch of amateur fights, then a bunch of low-level pro fights. Someone's gonna have to see you. You're gonna have to not get injured. All these good things are gonna have to happen to you. So you make it to the UFC, and you're just on a baseline contract, and you win all three fights your first year, you probably make like $80,000. Okay, that's all right. But then hold on, you didn't pay your management. You didn't pay your trainer. You didn't pay your taxes. Shit, you're sitting about thirty dollars to $40,000. You're, you're, mm -hmm. you're living at the poverty level. And that's, that's if you want all three fights and everything goes really well for you, right? So MMA is not, it's not a great career. It really isn't. It, you know, it's fine for me. So the, the two people I've advocated Wait, for. Let me guess. One yeah, one. go. Michael Chandler. Yeah. No. He I didn't say Woody because no. he was ahead of you. Chandler, Chandler though. No, Chandler just wanted to fight so bad. I didn't have to have the discussion. Oh, we never had right. the discussion. So the two would be um, Corey Anderson, who's uh, oh, fighting yeah. for, yep, belt for title. Overtime? I was Yep, I was going to, I trained kind of, so when I moved to Rufus in the beginning, I didn't really do any wrestling because there wasn't anyone who was competitive. And then I was like, hey, I need to wrestle like one day a week. So I go down to UW-Whitewater, it was like 40 minutes away, and Corey was a, a national run-up heavyweight, and I guess he had a little bit of a boxing background. And it was like, hey, you should, you should consider fighting. I think you'd be really good. You seem to have the mentality for it. You love to work hard. That type of thing. And the other one is, uh, he's one of my managers at AWA. His name's Jordan Newman. He's he's currently 4-0 in Bellator. He fights on November 18. Um, he is a, he, he brought me this one funny stat this one time that, now I'm, I'm forgetting which animal it is, but he said the reason the animal is so, is so aggressive is because it has a small amygdala. So I think he has a small amygdala <laughs> because he's too aggressive. Mm. So I'm like, you need to fight. You What's need, the animal? I don't remember what damn animal. It was his, it was his, it was his, it was, he told me, he's like, oh yeah, they got small amygdalas. That's why they're so aggressive. And I'm like, so now when he gets aggressive, I'm like, you got a small amygdala. <laughs> <laughs> he walked into that one, right? He really did. Cause he's, he's too aggressive. I mean, like, so I used him a lot as a training partner when I, when I unretired in 2019. Yeah. And he'd be like, um, cause I wasn't training at Rufus at the time. Duke would come out and work some uh, mitts with me. But I was doing my own, I had my own kind of training camp. And uh, so Jordan would come out and he'd be like, oh man, um, hey, I really I hurt my leg a little bit today. So so let's just, no kicking at all, you know? And then I, I might begin to start getting the better of him. And also he starts kicking me. Mm. I'm like, Jordan, I thought you said no kicking. There's that small amygdala thing kicking in again. Got it. Yes, oh, but I, th I think he's gonna be really good. So obviously Corey's career has panned out really well. Uh, yeah, I, he's I, in the finals, right? Yeah, and he, he really was, Grand Prix. Uh, he was really kind of dominating that last fight before it called off for yes, no contest. I so I think that really uh, was coasting towards that million man. Yeah, he, yeah, he would have made that million dollars. And he he turned his career around because he, I wouldn't say average. He was about above average yeah. light heavyweight in the UFC. Yeah, but he had lost a couple key matches, and then something happened, man. 
like a beast was awakened and he's gotten so good yeah. that he's thumping people like yeah. not just really winning is. thumping them well, and bellator actually has a pretty good light, light yeah, heavyweight division um you know they're they in in most cases ufc's divisions are significantly uh, better than everyone else's, but the light heavyweight in, in Bellator is actually pretty strong because Corey, you know, Corey's got a win over Jan Blockwitz, for example. He also has a loss to him. Um, and Glover. And Glover. And then, you know, Bader was relatively successful in the UFC before departing. Um, so was Phil Davis. Yeah, Phil Davis. So, yeah, you have, have a pretty good light heavyweight division over in Bellator. Yeah. I was actually yeah. gutted for Corey. It's about something oh, you bring I know, up, right? The, the psychology that you bring up in the yeah. book. Nobody knows, well, not nobody, but a lot of people don't realize him not being able to put that all behind him, being in this just gigantic long training yeah. camp, not having that release and now having to go back to that place, mm-hmm. that, that's that got to be tough for him. Mentally. I think he's going to be all right. He, he he loves to work. He really does. I mean, this dude, Overtime. He, 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 really <laughs> is a, he really is a hard worker. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to be okay with that that part of it because, yeah, he, he just loves to grind. This is kind of, that's just in him, you know, that's just what he does. This is the proof, so you know we're not messing with you. <laughs> oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Cute. Um, yeah, your mom dressed you up nice. She did, yeah. <laughs> so listen, man, again, the book is awesome. It's a very easy read. And of course, I love when dots are connected towards yes. MMA. Yeah. But even if like you don't know as much about the world of wrestling, which I kind of know a little, yeah. but not like a lot, um, you made it in that regard, you made it you know, very yeah. interesting as the book progresses yeah. like you know you wrestling versus king mo and then obviously the rivalry with hendrix mm-hmm. starting even before college yeah. um i never got another shot at him i know because Cle- tried clements to... right what's his name clement uh, pendleton pendleton yeah, yeah some he became like the, the the guy well yeah so we were johnny and i were in different weight classes but my senior year actually because i really wanted that one back because i lost him twice in high school and it was just a, it was a, a, a match i always wanted back and he never wrestled in the spring so there's the college season but then most times the the best college guys wrestle in the spring in the freestyle circuit you know and there's different weight classes so they, you know it's like where i wrestled king mo right i wrestled him at like 185 or whatever um and so you know i thought you know we would, we would meet up at some point and we never did my senior year um actually there's this event called the All Star Classic where they, uh, you know, try to pair the number one guy versus the number two guy up, and they asked me to come because I, you know, was a returning national champion. I said the only way I'm going to come is if I can wrestle Johnny Hendricks uh, at 160, and I'll even come down to his weight class of 165 pounds because mm-hmm. I want, I want a piece of this dude. And um, they, they, they said no, can do. And then later, after the fact, I heard that it was Johnny and his team that said, no, nah, we don't really want that match. So I didn't even participate in the All Star that year. And then, and then right after college, Johnny went to fighting instead of, you know, so I continued to wrestle freestyle for a year and a half where I thought I would get a shot at him again. He bypassed that and went and fought. And then unfortunately, yeah, in 2013, uh, you know, I didn't even get an offer from the UFC when I left Bellator. Um, and that would have been, you know, kind of, uh, I would say right around the height of his powers. Um, you know, I think he had the belt probably right after that, I would guess. So we probably would have met up and uh, Dana didn't make me an offer. So we never got the fight. Yeah, that was some BS because I remember yes. that was around the height of Chael and the way he would push buttons on yeah, Anderson, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And you had a lot of that going for mm-hmm. you where you were an instigator, like you say yes. in the book, since you were a kid, you yes. know, through high school, college and everything. But in our sport, I think instigators are valuable. Yes. So I, w- I would think that he would have saw you as uh, a free agent, a coveted free agent yeah, I that don't know needed why to be didn't. signed. Did you ever find out? No, I still haven't. Really? Like nothing... In terms of why then and why later and 
Yeah, well, later. I, I, I might as well tip you off right now. I made it to that part of the book. I was well, trying well, to crush well, it as fast as I could. <laughs> we talked about five the days or trade so, in the first chapter. Um, yeah, you probably didn't get to me, me leaving Bellator and in, in, uh, just judging by where your book is. Chapter four? Yeah, I finished yeah, chapter four. No, that's just me starting fighting. Um, okay. Yeah, so no, I uh, I left Bellator in 2013 in July. Uh, so my last one was July 31, 2013. Um, I was 12-0, and, and I think I was ranked, you know, depending on the, the promote, uh, production, somewhere between sixth and eighth in the world. Um, yeah, and I looked back at that period like, how did I... Not getting Depending on what production, but I don't know why I said production. Pu- publication. That's what I meant. Did you ever I'm go to USA Today and MMA Junkies rankings? Yeah, what was? Because I'm proud Look of those. Up. 2013. I'm proud of August those. August 2013 MMA Junkie rankings. And I have a lot to do with those. And the one thing I'm proud of is it's yeah. all of MMA. Yeah. So absolutely. I remember you ascending to even higher than yeah. top ten or whatever. I yeah. mean, look, you couldn't deny I don't think I ever winning tournaments. Sorry, six or seven, title yeah. defenses. And then connecting the dots with you know other fighters, yes. you know not necessarily MMA math, but just knowing who's good and who yeah, isn't. Absolutely. Plus, we saw Pride guys come over and be successful. WEC yep. guys come over Strike and be successful. Strike Force as well. Yeah, and Strike Force is the one. Strike Force. Remember we called ones. it Strike Force. Look how many yes. champions Strike Force produced. So many. I mean, Strike Luke to, uh, Woodley, Cormier. DC, Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey. Cyborg. I mean, a lot yes. of people came over so from uh, Misha Tate. She won a title as well. Yep. So that was yeah. funny, man. Reading Strike Force and Bjork, and Bjork, so you, yeah. you took me down a nice memory lane. Yeah, there, there really wasn't there. Um, yeah, so just if, that, you know, I, I got I finished my contract July thirty one, um, and you know it was uh, they showed a level of interest, but then it was like they they didn't want me in the negotiating thing. Uh, sorry, the matching clause because they didn't want to have to negotiate that. And uh, so they said, you know, get out of that, and you're you're good. And I talk about this in the book, and it was. Um, I think it was November. I I oh I know what it was. It was it was the Thursday before Gustafson Jones in Toronto. Mm. It was it was Thursday. So um, and I got the paperwork from Bellator, and I literally faxed it Friday morning. That Friday morning, whatever that was, uh, to UFC headquarters. Right? They had they had the paperwork. They fought in November. Yeah, look it up. No, uh, John. It was UFC one sixty five right is that what it was here's why i'm connecting dots ben, okay because Let's connect these dots we went to yep, Afghanistan. that was it what day was that september oh september, september 21st i'm right. way off but it's, but it's no big deal it's no big deal <laughs> here's why i'm saying because goes son and I, of a bitch we went to afghanistan in october of 2013 yeah. who did we see fight that night diego versus gilbert, gilbert melendez and gilbert had had mm. some sort of a free agency with strike force mm. where he got the best of the ufc so i wonder if Yes. Maybe they were afraid of having well, to pay Eddie, Eddie more. Did, too. did he? Okay. Eddie, when he came out of Bellator, yeah. remember? Uh, well, sorry, sorry. Hector did, and then Eddie got... Remember he was forced to go back to Bellator? I think so. You remember this? Okay, so, yeah. so that was why. So, he had um, somebody else, too. Wasn't there two of them? Eddie and Hector. That's Lombard, right. yep. So, uh, yeah, so I guess it was September. My memory is way off. November. Uh, yeah, so September, that Friday, so it had been Friday, September 20th, my paperwork was faxed that morning mm-hmm. and then you know they had been saying we're interested if you remember ufc 164 right before that was in milwaukee where pettis won the title submitted yep, benson. yep said, ben, submitted benson and yeah. I, you know i was there because i was, was it a triangle or an armbar uh it ended up being it an armbar arm yes okay. yeah um it was like nobody knew what happened remember it was, it was a, yeah like, it was a hard stop? it was a hard leg uh well he hit him with a body kick twice i think and that was kind of uh and then he transitioned after that yeah. um yeah, so I submitted the paperwork to the UFC. They got a fax, and then that that afternoon, Dana's in a scrum, and he says we have no interest in Ben Askren. 
you know and it was like wait what just what what the fuck you that know? already sounds to me like money he just didn't no, pay hold more on. than he says no and so i'm someone's like value or fly, fly me out so i said you know i called my agents uh Dwayne and bob and i said hey um you know monday morning let's go out there and it just so happened that daniel cormier was coming out monday morning also to to negotiate because i believe he was the next challenger because he was zinking as well he's zinking yeah, also okay. yep so we rode there together and um yeah i talk about this all in the book but then they kind of gave me this really obscure offer. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's stupid, but whatever. Did you share it in the book? Yep, I talked about it in the book. Can you tell us? Um, yeah, so well, I, without getting too nuanced, that what they, they offered me was that I would sign a contract with them, but I would do one fight in World Series of Fighting, which is now PFL. They would pay my paycheck, they would do everything, and then after that one singular fight, then I would come over and I would fight in the UFC. Why? Why that? That's what I said. So okay. So was I said, Fitch over there at the time. Uh, I, I don't even honestly. I don't remember who they had. So <laughs> you know. So I said, um, you know, it, it's dumb. But, Very dumb. But okay, whatever, whatever. You know, I'm in. And there was not even really any money discussed. I, and for me, my thought process at the time was like, I'm gonna go win the damn belt, and then I'll just get a new contract. You know, that was kind of how I thought about it. And. Uh, so I went back to my hotel because it was like fly and fly out the same day. Just you know, come in, get this done, and then go home. And I was I was actually at Mandalay. I, I went back to Mandalay to get my stuff. And um, my manager called me and they said, "Well, there's actually no offer anymore." I said, "What? Well, what do you mean? Like, can I go back there?" They're like, "No, they're not going to make an offer." Hmm. You know. So it was like I'm shit out of luck here. Yeah. That's, no, that's and I still I still don't know because I yeah. never had a I I've never had a uh, I I never had a phone call Dana prior to. Me being in the UFC while I was in the UFC, the only two I had were actually. So I wrote this book during Corona, um, and the Jake Paul fight was in. That was the only time I had conversations with Dana, and so the book was majority written by the time I ever had a conversation with him. Got it. Yes. And and look at the time you spent in the UFC. I mean, you flipped that promotion upside down in terms yes. of like being somebody that would ruffle feathers. Yeah. You know, even on Junkie, our traffic was always good when it was Ben Askren related. Are yeah. you going to London right after the Lawler yeah, fight? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you're poking over there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, definitely they blew it. They, yeah. They, they blew it on that one. So that's, I mean, that's unfortunate, right? That's the one, uh, the one thing where I wrote the book, it just was, again, like, how didn't this happen? Like, why didn't this happen? You know, this is so dumb. So, uh yeah, but it's one of those things where you can't really have regrets about because it's not like I, there's nothing else I could have done at that point in time. Uh, that just it, it was what it was. Ben, you talked about in the book, Dana loves money, and I think that's something that we can all kind of yeah. pick up on. Um, you made him some money. But do you <laughs> feel like you won him over eventually at some um, point? It seemed like sometimes you know what I he think, was kind of catching on to you. Yeah, a little bit. you know what I think won him over was um, I just genuinely didn't give a shit. and I wanted to fight good people. You know, like, okay, give me whoever you want. Like, I think some of these fighters really, um, well, I think they genuinely do. Like, I won't fight him or I won't fight him or no, I don't want that fighter. I need more time. And for me, it was like, who do you want me to fight? When do you want me to fight them there? I'll show up on time. I'll make weight and let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like, there was just no nonsense, no shenanigans, no asking for more, more money, no nothing. It was just like, and so I think he realized like, oh, I'm actually really easy to deal with. Like, uh, we signed a contract. It says this. I'm going to be in the cage. It's really simple. 
Well, your antics sold tickets that, as that, well. That too. But that probably because not. I remember probably one time you were Twitter. standing in line either before you walked out to to uh, the, was it Ceremonial Wayans or something? Yeah. You and the Usman Exchange. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and you're, you were conference. so casual about it too, whereas the other party was fired up. <laughs> yeah, so was. I think that made it, you know, fun. And I don't understand why he didn't catch on to that. He's dropped the ball a few times. He doesn't like to admit it. But when he does, he becomes yeah. so much more likable because yeah. we all kind of make yeah, we, we all make fumble mistakes. the ball. You yes, know what I mean? We all make mistakes. How about, okay, so again, I didn't make it to the end. That's fine. But I plan on it. Davis and Smith, your two coaches. So Brian Smith was your coach at Missouri. Yeah. I loved how you guys got together. Yes. There was a plan and you achieved it. Yes. Davis, I'm, I'm, I can't remember his first name, but. Um, so Barry Davis is a coach at Wisconsin. Wisconsin, he was that's your home state. Me. Right. And he kind of sabotaged a little bit, right? A little right? bit, yeah, a little bit. Um, was it ever good with him? Never. After, never. No, my high school coach was John Messerman, and he was great, and he he works with us at AWA now. Yeah. Uh, no, I never really had any, anything to do with Barry Davis. Um, Brian never even heard behind the scenes where the guy goes, yeah, man, he respects you, or no. you're a hell of a competitor. Not that I mean, I'm that? sure he did. I won everything. <laughs> right? It's like, whatever. Well, kind of like I, I blew it. it that, that type of uh, thing, like no, a regret. No, nothing like that. Nothing. Zero. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but Brian, Brian Smith was great. I'm actually going to Columbia this Saturday. for the, They have a football game. I'm going to run the practice on Saturday morning for the Mizzou wrestling team. Uh, Max and I and the other AWA coaches, we have five wrestlers currently at Mizzou. Um, so the pipeline is strong. We actually had a national champ there, an AWA guy who went to Mizzou and won. Oh, really? Title. Yep. Yeah, he also won the 2900 world title, so he's pretty good. Do you um, – you have, what, hundreds of students, I imagine, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then – is it always like this is what I think would be the best for you, or like are yeah. you pushing Mizzou as a, no, like a pipeline? I, I is really, that even legal for me to say? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, as a club coach, I can push where the hell I want. Okay, the NCAA has no jurisdiction over right. me. Right. Um, I try to mostly stay out of it because you know the way. I, I'll give you a good analogy, and I don't know if you use this at all. If not, I suggest you do. Um, most of my friends are married by now, but here my thing was. Um, if they had a girlfriend, I could. I, I felt like I could speak on that, like, hey, like this girl's not good for you or whatever, right? And then once they made a choice uh, to, to propose to her, then it's like, oh, well, that's going to be his wife. Like, I can't say nothing about her anymore, mm-hmm. right? And I won't. Um, and so that's going to kind of how I, I, I advise my athletes is in the recruitment process, I will give them some pointers, right? And it, but if they choose somewhere else, I'll never say, no, you shouldn't have done that. You should go to Mizzou. Never, ever, right? It's like they've made that decision. They're going to go where they're going to go. They obviously saw something they really liked or an offer they liked or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually, I just did this because I want to put out a uh, social media graphic. We have 32 kids actively wrestling at the Division One level from Aspen Wrestling Academy. Um, so we have five at Mizzou. We have five at Northern Iowa. We really like their coaching staff. We got a bunch at Little Rock. We, we have a bunch at Wisconsin, although I don't see eye to eye with their coaching staff. It's obviously the in-state school. We've got a bunch of Minnesota. So we've got kind of guys got guys around everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, you do a good job of explaining how just moving away from the comfort zone of Wisconsin yeah. and taking in a new town. Some towns were too small. I think Edinburgh or another yeah. one. Some might have been too much. Yeah. But then this one just fit perfectly. Perfect. So it allowed you to you know spread your wings, be somewhere that's not necessarily on the other side of the world. Yeah. The family could, you know, come and yep, go. Yep. And uh, but I, I thought you kind of almost made a good pitch for it. And yes. like, for example, the school that well, I, I think went that's to- healthy. I don't, I don't know what you did after high school. But I think it's, it's healthy. I'll say for young men specifically, um, and, and is going far enough away where you're forced to be on your own. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, you can't take your fucking laundry to your mom. Can I say that on this program? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fuck you, can't, you can't take your laundry to your mom. You know, they're not there like wiping your ass every weekend, cleaning up after you. It's like you're far enough away where you can be on your own, but they can still come see you more than once a year, right? If you go 20 hours away, like they're going to maybe take a flight once or twice a year, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and so I think I think that's really important is to, you know, for kids to go far enough away where they can have the experience on their own. They can be an adult. They can do adult things. They can grow up. They can be their own person. I can't believe I'm saying this for the second did time. Did you move away after high school? I did not. Uh oh. But I'm bringing him up again only because his dad told me this cool story. Gil Melendez uh -oh. signed for Cal State Fullerton to wrestle. Yeah, okay. Where Dillashaw went and yep. um, uh -huh. the guy looks like Big John McCarthy. Big Jesse. Oh, Jesse Taylor. Jesse yeah, Taylor. Yeah, Taylor. those guys. They, they went there, right? They don't program anymore, it unfortunately. Was a, oh, they don't? Mm. It was real close in that area. And then he told his dad real proud, Dad, I got a Division One scholarship. you know. And he goes, that's good, but you're not signing it. Why not? He goes, you need to move away. So he went really? to San Francisco State with Jake Shields mm -hmm. and a few others that you know from MMA as well. It's and important. And now he wound it's, up it's in important. San Francisco. Yeah. And so he's like, man, in, in a way, I'm like, I never knew the kid wasn't going to come back. I thought he was just going to go to school. But I wanted uh, to push him away for the same reason you said. Kind of, yeah, you know, back then, obviously, you know, yes. learn how to write a check and do your laundry yes. and just yeah. do your own stuff or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, be an adult. Don't don't lean on your parents as much. But yeah. you came back, and and so now you're came back. Well, yeah, settled it was, in. It was and, Eleven years later, but yeah, I did, I did come back. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, and I mean, a lot of it was because um, when I looked at all the gyms I wanted to, to be at, um, I didn't want to live in Florida, so that was out. I didn't want to. Uh, I just didn't. Mosquitoes, gators. Uh, I don't. I don't like gators. and I don't like snakes. So that helps. I just didn't like the pace of it. Um, the big town, you know, tra lots of traffic. Like I hate that, you Got know. And then, you know, California, I kind of felt similarly about, and it's also like, then you have to establish another new home. And I had, you know, I'd, so I'd moved to Columbia, Missouri, then I'd moved to Phoenix. Um, and Rufus was really good at the time. And I really, you know, Alan Belcher was training there and I got along really well with him. Uh, I liked Anthony and Eric Koch and all those guys. So it was like, all these dudes are cool. Uh, Duke seems like a really good coach. Like, so was it you that brought Tyron up? Because then Tyron joined, right? Uh, I don't think. I mean, I yes, I recommended he come up and train with us. I don't. I don't want to take credit for it. You know, mm -hmm. I think him and Duke also hit it off really well. Mm -hmm. um, I just like to connect dots. I was. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, obviously, yeah. Tyron and I trained together a lot when when he would come up to Rufus, and it was awesome to have like a close friend that that was that that close. And I mean, obviously, I would have loved him there full time. Um, but I think it was just. I think. I think he came up to try it out because I, you know, asked him to or recommended or something to that effect. But I think him and Duke really, really hit it off. So jumping around here, if you don't mind, what happens yeah. if you and Johnny Hendricks run into each other at somewhere like the NCAAs? That's funny. How cool is it, or how cool is it not? I have never ran into Johnny Hendricks. You really? Would, you would think at some point the animosity jumps out, not like a hatred, but just like ah, that little weasel or something like that. Well, he's got to be careful. He's a cop now. He's a cop. In, what? In the Dallas Fort Worth area. You're lying. I swear. <laughs> Aren't you on. a Cowboys fan? No, I no? don't watch football. Okay, all right, never mind. No, uh, um, you know that's really funny because yeah, I've literally never ran into Johnny Hendricks. Um, I come don't know, on, I, at the NCAA's, I, I you guys go never, every year. Ever. I mean, I go to I've went to I Oklahoma think. State matches. Yeah, I go to NCAA's every year. Um, yeah, you would think that would have happened at some point, but no, it's never happened. But if um, you jump in an elevator and it's the Sears Tower, so you got to go 108 floors or whatever, <laughs> what would you guys chat about? Uh, I don't even know if we would chat. You wouldn't say like, "Why didn't you wrestle me that one time?" Or how's the family? Hundred eight floors is a long time. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Time. I've never, yeah, I never really thought about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I really wanted to compete against the guy, but then it's like, I don't know. This, it's um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of dumb to, to continue to have animosity over that. It's like, uh, you know, yeah. So, no, I don't, I don't feel like I have any animosity. I mean, it's not like I'm a fan of him or I don't consider him a friend by any. Did you root for him in his fights? The MMA no. fights? I don't think so. Yeah. Something's there he's not revealing. No, well, I'm trying to think of who. Uh, I mean, because uh, if you're having a fight, there's two people fighting, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, if I don't like the other guy more, mm-hmm. then I might cheer for Johnny. Uh, and I was who are you rooting for in the King Mo Quinn Rampage fight? Mo. Yeah. And yeah. Mo beat you, so you didn't hold any animosity there. I always got along with Mo really well. Oh. Mo All beat right. me. He beat me. He beat me twice. He beat me in 2004. I'm trying to no. instigate. Mo the beat me in 2003. <laughs> University World Team Trials. He beat me in 2004 Olympic Team Trials. He was a lot bigger than me. He was, you know, he was a 185 pounder. And he, he, Mo cut a lot of weight to make 185 because he actually fought 205 in, uh, in mixed martial arts. This is what he says about you because I told him that I was reading your book <laughs> uh, and that he popped in. You know, yeah, we, what, we're what good friends say? with him. He's yeah, I, I love Mo. He's great. He says he was tough and gumby. Because you guys had wrestled yeah, a few yeah. times. I go, all right, what's Gumby? He goes, very flexible. I kind of uh, figured that, yeah. but I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then he says, he was tough, tenacious, and like MacGyver. I'm like, all right, MacGyver, what, he figures out a way. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, he could pin you uh, or score from any position. He was dangerous. He didn't look intimidating, but he was a fierce competitor. He found ways to win. He had great body awareness. And then he writes, fuck that. He had supreme body awareness. Uh, he was damn that. good. I can't say a bad thing about him. His little brother Max was cool too. Ah, uh, so, yeah. That's Mo, we're gonna Mo, with Mo and I always got along. Um, there's not a lot of guys, even like Chris. So I only had eight losses in all of college. Uh, I was hundred, I think 151 and eight. Um, and Chris Pelton, the guy that beat me seven times. I definitely. It's had, not for him. You're Kelt Sanderson. I'm one behind. Right Kale. behind one him, right? Behind, yeah, behind, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, pretty amazing. So I, but I have no, like, I didn't like him while we were competing, but I obviously I definitely respected him, and now I think he's. Pretty likable. He's a Division One head coach at Oregon State. He's doing a really good job. Um, so there's probably not a lot of people who I lost to in wrestling who I, most of them I'm probably indifferent to. Like, I just don't think a lot about them. Uh, but then someone like Mo or uh, Chris Pendleton, like, I, I kind of enjoy them. I like them. What about that Russian that yanked all that hair out? He's one dirty son of a bitch. Wow. Uh, and I, Mo I, used to tell us that, that Mo, no. grabbing the nuts. Did, did you ask he goes, Mo? you go to Eastern no. Europe and they're dirty. No, you know? no. But Sargush is, is like, he's like the dirty of the dirty. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the dirtiest. Ask Mo. You, you text Mo right now. So Sargush? How, how dirty? Yeah. What's T, his, is that his T first? At Dennis Sargush. T-S-A-R-G-U-S-H. How dirty was Dennis Sargush? He was the dirtiest. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he, he yanked my hair with that dirty son of a bitch. Yeah, he's told us some pretty nasty stories about, especially yeah. international, the yeah, yeah. eye gouging, yes, all fish shifting, all that yes. stuff. Yeah, that can get pretty brutal, man. So yeah. you know, along the lines of George's question, so I guess if you had a question for Johnny Hendricks, if you mm. had a question for Dana, because they, they neither Dana, guy. Dana's like why that. wouldn't you sign me? That was easy. Why didn't you sign me? Yeah, why didn't you sign me? Twenty thirteen. I don't know. Tell me. I just want to know. Do you think he could give you an answer that you would go, huh, okay. Yeah, right. Dana's, he's, I mean, I have, uh, all the things that you wouldn't deny about Dana, you would say he's very intelligent. Mm-hmm. You definitely say that. He knows. He's smart. He definitely knows. Uh, Johnny, I don't have any questions for Johnny Hendricks. No? He was roommates no. with King Mo. Yeah. So if what? King Mo said, hey, come over John- for dinner, you could run into Johnny Hendricks. I, here's why. Roommates. Here's why we. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys are so funny. Yeah. Uh, no, I got nothing. I got nothing against Johnny Hendricks. Whatever. Johnny used to live in Vegas, yeah. and uh, so he did takedown, our show a few right? times. Team Takedown. Yeah. Yes. He did our show a few times, but what, what we really liked was 
hey, Johnny, can you come in for 30 minutes? He'd go, why can't I do the whole show? Oh, okay. So he'd come in, answer calls and stuff like that because we used to be yeah. a phone, uh-huh. uh, phone-in show. So we got close with him, and then he brought the belt when he beat um, Lawler, you know. So I, I'm not saying he's our best friend or anything like that, but yeah, we like good. you and we like yeah. him. So I was just wondering, man, it sucks when two people we know no, kind of may I don't, not be. Yeah, best I don't friends. think there's anything. There's no. I, I just, yeah, I'm just kind of indifferent to him. You know, King. I think you got me thinking about um, international wrestling and how it. It's not nearly as dirty as it was then because now there's video and everything and everyone's mm-hmm. pretty much watching and so. If there is cheating, it's not nearly as rampant as it was. Um, King Mo got robbed in 2005, and I'm trying. I it's, it's in my head. I can't remember the exact circumstances. But it was in the quarterfinals of the 2005 World Championship, so you can ask him that one too. He definitely got robbed. I'm blanking on exactly what it was that happened. If they like on, in my book, I talk about this one time I was in Ukraine and I was winning the match, and there was six seconds left. I think it was something like this with Mo, but or it was either that or they called mm. them for it. They, they didn't a pe- start the clock on time when you They didn't start the clock, right? Mm. So it was like, I'm wrestling. There's only six seconds, and I'm wrestling, and I'm like, well, what the fuck? Like, it's definitely been, been, the time should be up. Like, what's going on here, you know? And then I look at the clock, and the clock hadn't started. And then I, you know, in, in the distraction, the guy freaking takes me down, and then I, pro- I stood on the mat, and I'm like, no, this is, this is nonsense. Count, like, you you go go count the time. You have a clock, you know, and then so then they rewinded it to six seconds <laughs> to when we when they started counting. And so oh, yeah, one two three four five six six. We're good. Yeah. It's over. Done. Go away. You know, um, but it was something like that, or they get or there was a penalty that they gave the other guy that was completely unwarranted. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, international wrestling was very very dirty, and it's it, it, it they have definitely cleaned up their act. Um, yeah, Mo Mo was really really high level. In 2008, he was like seconds away from being on your team, right? Yeah, I should. I mean, honestly, what what happened there? Uh, I don't was wanna, here in Vegas. Yeah, I don't want to bring up bad memories for him, but um, Mo, um, man, he was he was that he was a huge favorite to be on the team there. And with you and Cejudo, yep, Misa, Randy who, Miller, right? Is that her name? Randy Miller. And yep, she was Daniel on the female Cormier. team and Cormier, um, Mako too. Mako, yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. yep. That, th- those guys, 2008. Started off like thirty five and zero in MMA. Yeah. They were not losing yeah. for a, a long time. Um, so, so he lost the best two out of three to a guy named Andy Rovat, who was really good. But Mo, at you know, kind of up to that point, had kind of had his number and had got a lot more wins than him and done better internationally. And uh, you know, Andy was really good. Obviously, he made the Olympic team, but Mo was uh, a significant favorite going into that series. Mm. But what what happened at the end? Was it like a lot? No, that, that was that was international. Oh, uh, in two thousand eight, as far as in the, Vegas. I don't know that I I don't know I don't recall those matches that well. Oh okay. So I can't tell. You, I I know it went three matches. I know most. But if I asked you about Rogan. frisbee golf, you know every single detail, right? <laughs> well, that's me. But you're asking about someone no, else's I know, match. I know. I'm if just you ask about mine, I can tell you what happened in the in book. My matches There's in a big, in the book. He says in I have Vegas, a great right? memory frisbee? for everything that interests me. Yes. And, I, that, and he, he says I could tell you about every eight all eighteen holes. Ask me about a match in wrestling, and I'll tell you about one of my matches. But it's if it's you know it's King Mo's like I can remember the series. I know. I'm just generally what happened. I'm, I'm trying to instigate sh- the instigator. Yeah, you're shaking me up here. Yeah, we're playing good cop bad cop. So now yeah. uh, we'll go over to me. And but this golf, this golf's getting popular. You guys need to get into it. Julian Marquez plays here, right. Yeah, he he, <laughs> he won that tournament at my house. Oh, oh did man. he? He's not. Oh, okay, listen. You uh, laugh like he sucks. Uh, Julian, <laughs> I love you. Uh, he's getting better. He's getting better. But the way the tournament played, it was just, it was called you know skins format. You know, mm-hmm. so um, with the money, you're talking about the money part. Well, we so all the money was donated. Stuff rolls it over. It was all donated to charity. Yeah, it rolls over. Okay. Uh, yeah. So he he won the celeb portion of the skins division this year. But he's mm-hmm. not that good. 
I mean, like, he's significantly better than just, like, an average player. But, um, yeah, he's not super high level. And then, obviously, I'm comparing him when I'm watching him. I'm watching the best in the world. I mean, we had, like, the, you know, five of the top ten guys in the world. And then we had the two best females in the world. So I'm watching them. And then I'm watching him. And then I'm watching them. And then I'm watching him. But in 2011, when you came in second, yes. how prestigious was that tournament? That was the biggest amateur tournament in the world. It was the biggest what? Amateur tournament in the world. Oh, amateur. So there's, yes. there's another level even after yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Holy cow! Because well, I heard so, you're pretty good. Like I thought, I yeah. heard you were pro level. Uh, well, so I got to, I got to my my rating that year. So in disc golf, they rate every round. I got the nine ninety six. A thousand rating is considered world class pro. Um, so I got you know like to a, a relatively high level. There's it's funny. There's a, in in disc golf. Uh, you know we're getting nuanced disc golf conversation. Like at a lot of the local tournaments. People will play pro even if they're not that good just because they'd rather, like, gamble. You know, kind of gamble, right? They can win some money or whatever. Um, so a lot of people who maybe aren't even that good uh, will play in the pro division. Um, but, yeah, so I, I took second at the – the USDGC is probably the – it's either the number one or number two most prestigious amateur tournament. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds like – yeah. to me it sounds like you were pretty good pretty yeah. much at everything. And, and that's I, and rare. I, I wanted to go pro, but then I just got – we started the academies and I started making babies and – so I'm really hoping I have disc golf course in my house. So I've got the hoses tournament the last couple of years with a lot of the really good pros, uh, and I'm sponsored by Discraft, so I get to go watch tournaments and, and and participate. I'm really hoping some of my some or one or all of my kids take a liking to it, and then I can kind of follow them around and maybe you know go play in the veterans division or something. Nice. Yeah. What, what about wrestling? Uh, I hope that I mean they're all going to wrestle. So my my deal with them is. Um, well, it was with all sports. They're going to play all sports till age 10, and then they can start deciding for themselves. But I want them to do all, all of the things, you know, so gymnastics and soccer and, uh, right, they kind of participate in everything, wrestling. I want so, to flip a question on yeah, you. Yeah, go for it. Now that you're a dad, yeah. if one of your kids had that injury that you had mm-hmm. that should have stopped your career, yeah. what do you think you would tell them? Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. I would like to go back as a, as a 38-year-old. I would like to go back and investigate that doctor more with the question, you know, with, I would like ask a lot of deeper questions mm-hmm. um, because obviously I was I'm fine, you know, like I, I it got really bad. It got really bad in college. I mean, it, and I don't even think I discussed this really in the book, but in college it got to the point, you knew who I actually punched, I punched Mike Chandler. He's the only guy I've ever been so frustrated I punched in wrestling practice. Like in the face? Uh, I'll tell you, yes, in the face. All I'll right. tell you the story. Um, so it's the spring. I talk about the injury, but I don't really go into detail. Uh, it's the spring of... 2006, and I just won my first NCAA title. And like I said, this, most of the best college guys do the spring stuff, right? So the U.S. Open and the trials and all that. And so I was trying to make it through the trials, but I had keep kept having this stinger on my neck, like every every single day, you know, where it's like I hit it. It was it was it's very specifically. It was when I hit a shot and my neck got like kinked back a little bit like that. And I would get a stinger, go down. Oh, it was this arm, go down this arm, um, and. So it's happening every day, and it's like, okay, I know I need to take some time off to let this cool off, because essentially what happens is the nerves swell a little bit when they repetitively get hit and hit and hit. Mm-hmm. They swell a little bit, and then uh, and then my my one of my issues is that the uh, I don't I don't remember what they're called. So essentially, like the nerves are like uh, electric wire, and they go through the holes right down down your neckline. Yeah. Um, and my the holes are too Nerve small. Nerve passageways. I don't remember what the, the holes are too small. Essentially, right? I need I need bigger holes in the bones. Um, so when it would get hit and it would swell, then it would make it really easy to get hit again, right? So it was like every single day for like weeks and weeks. And it was painful, but it'd go away, whatever, you know? And I'm like, okay, I need to get to this tournament and then I'll take some time off, let it cool off a little bit, you know, and be good to go. 
And so this one this day, I don't, I don't know if it was like a week left of the tournament or two weeks or whatever. Um, this one day, I go with Michael. Hey, Michael. Michael was a little. He might take offense to this, but it's true. So, and I can verify this with other college kids. He's a little bit spazzy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I said, Michael, dude, my neck is really like really giving me issues. I really need you to not not fuck with me today. Like, let's just nice, easy, small, light drill, you know? Mm-hmm. And the first thing off the bat he does is boom, he posts my forehead like this, kinks my neck back. I get a stinger, I'm like, fucker. I punch him, I punch him. And then my practice was over. And then sure enough, like two days later, um, I went to lift weights. You know, we do team lifting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a warm-up set. You know, you do a warm-up set and then you get into your roll reps. I do a warm-up set of bench and the bench, it comes down and I, I can't move the weight. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. I must just, it's early in the morning, whatever. I just didn't get warmed up. So I kind of, hey, put, you know, partner picks it up off me, put it down again. I can't budge it. I'm like, what the fuck? Why can't I move this weight? So the stingers, because they were so repetitive, cut all the nerves to my arms. So my arm would stop working, right. right? So I could do like 90 pound dumbbell on this arm and this arm it was like 15 pounds. I was like barely, it was like, oh, 15 pounds was like, oh, you know, and oh. I could barely get it up. So um, barely get it up, that's not funny. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so uh, I had to take time off. So I took like six weeks off and I you know, went and saw a bunch of specialists and we determine you know what to do in the course of action and um and then yeah after that i've had a few episodes where i've had stingers uh but i've never really had any major issues with it. so i think i would go back and kind of inv- investigate the doctor uh and because I, I think a lot of physicians are probably overly cautious mm-hmm. uh and you know they they are not super in tune with every single i mean right they saw me like twice so how in tune with my life are they and my, and my goals and all these things that go along with it Man. That's kind of a long answer. I'm sorry. No, I, no, I not at all. It's question. all interesting. All right. Chandler was our, um, he was our uh, landlord landlord for a few years. <laughs> Doesn't so. it feel like we're he's, giving him weird facts, he's but like, they're all true. He's that's like the nicest true. guy in the world. Yeah, yeah. he's super nice. Yeah, but yes. you've known us Great quite guy. a long while, and when yes. when do you know a fight to end when somebody just hits someone and that's the end of the story? He didn't well, say it, anything or he didn't do anything? I think he was like, fuck you or I, I yeah i don't recall i mean it was like i didn't coach standing right there and they said dude what the hell or all right i think i maybe punched him i said dude what do you do like i freaking just told you not to freaking do anything like that and you just jabbed me right in the freaking forehead mm. and i just told i just told you you know mm-hmm. i think I, he was probably mad I, I don't i don't recall exactly but no well, that was it was it was a single punch and it was uh and that was the only time but fights happen in a college dressing room mm-hmm. i mean not we're not talking every single day but yeah definitely i mean there's Tensions flare. I guess the one time I threatened my brother uh, with, uh, there was this one drill, the only other time I ever got upset, or you know, really, really upset. There's this one drill that they had that was, it was so hard, where um, you had to get seven takedowns, seven escapes, and seven reversals, but it was like shark bait, so it was the starter was in. This one broke dudes, this one dude made, made dudes cry, right? Um, so you did seven takedowns, seven escapes, and seven reversals, but you, people were rotating in on you, and you only had 20 seconds. So if you mm-hmm. didn't get it in 20 seconds, it didn't count. And you just had to keep going, right? And then obviously you're getting more and more tired. That's a lot. And they're staying relatively fresh, right? Because, you know, they're 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 not going every single go. They're rotating two or three people on you. So they're kind of staying fresh. You're getting more and more exhausted. And I know this one time I got to my my I got six takedowns. I was like about to get to my seventh. And the takedowns were the hardest part of of the three things you know so like once i get through this then i'm gonna be i don't say home free but i'm, I'm gonna get through the hardest part you know my number six and max is a hold of my 
ankle or something. I got his fucking, I got his arm. I'm swearing a lot. My wife's going to yell at me or something. <laughs> and I'm like, Max, you let me get this takedown. I'm going to break your fucking arm, Max. Let me have this takedown. And he's like, no, I won't. F you. No, give me the takedown. And then he's like, he's like, then, you know, it's 20 seconds, right? So the timer goes off and he, and then he's like, I'm not being your partner. You're such an asshole. You threatened to break my arm. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I just wanted the takedown, damn it! <laughs> yeah, that day, that day. I mean, honestly, that day, that 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 day, that Shark Tank day, um, with that specific rule set, like that made dudes. And I mean, you can ask Woodley about it, or you can ask Chandler, or any of the other Mizzou guys that were, you know, I'm sure other college teams. But what have, was it called again? Shark Tank. It, it was it was Shark Bait, shark but bait. Um, but with that specific set of rules. I mean, some days you use shark bait where they just rotate on you, and you know, there's no. It's not like you have to be successful, right? Mm-hmm. You just have to kind of survive ish. But on this day, you had you had to get these things. So sometimes, you know, the dude, the dude, the starter would get so tired that he was like the point of like, I'm not gonna finish. Like I got nothing left. Like I'm not gonna finish. I have to get seven, seven, and seven, and like, I'm exhausted. That's horrible. Right? Like how am I gonna finish this? Yeah. And you'd see dudes just like, I give up. I quit. I'm crying. You know, Crying in the corner. Oh, uh, yeah. Some dudes, they'd lose their minds. Crazy. Yes. Um, As far as Chandler goes, do, are you guys still pretty cool? Uh, Yeah. I mean, we, you know, obviously we, we have not lived in the same place for, uh, what, 13 or 14 years now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whenever we see each other, it's really positive. But, um, yeah, he, he's obviously busy doing his thing. He, yeah. So he's got Poye coming up. Yeah. It's not what like. What do you think of that fight? Uh, it's a good, I mean, every, every Michael fight's entertaining, right? Because he, yeah. uh, he kind of throws caution to the wind and just and swings and sees what happens. So, do you see like when he's fighting a big Missouri banner with what you did and Tyron did? Like, I know you guys accomplished a nice feat. Yeah, uh, uh, the first national champion, mm-hmm. and then of course, I think you guys got a third place and you know, yep, conference titles and all that. What about the pride of also kind of doing stuff that spilled over in MMA? Yeah, um, no, I mean, thing is, I, obviously, any of my friends who do well, I'm really happy for, whether it's a Mizzou guy or a Corey Anderson, right, like we talked about. Um, yeah, so I, I think Mizzou really still supports Michael Chandler and all, all the wrestlers who came through the program. Um, and like I said, I'm going back. And I, I know I, see, I saw Michael wearing a Mizzou single yesterday. He was wearing it, and he put a little clip about how, you know, how he was a walk. I know he worked so hard, and he had eventually achieved really, really high level things. Um, yeah, but no, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. What was the last time? We hung out. I don't think it's been any time all that recently. Mm. Or was it? I don't remember. So he walked on and he made the team. He was an All-American. Yeah. You, well, everyone, I everyone believe... makes a team, but if you're a walk-on, it's relatively rare where they'll become the guy. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe after like three or four years, they become the guy. But Michael, after one year, he worked very hard and he ended up being the guy right away. Nice. Yeah. Um, You said... Not that your feelings were hurt, but you expected a little bit more recruiting during your high school years. And even though you started winning some tournaments, yeah, it came really, really slow. It didn't appear to be disheartening because you seemed so driven. Yeah, but at the same time, well, it was for sure. I was. Well, yeah. So um, I, I think I, I think maybe I just kind of glance over this in the book. You know, the book. One of the other things about writing a book, uh, actually, I haven't said this in an interview. I don't think. But it's um, as you read through it, and obviously I did many times to fact check and correct and make sure everything was great, is it's like there's so many other people you want to thank or so many other little stories you want to tell, you know, but it's like, well, it's already like 200 pages. Like, you know, if I do a sidebar and every single thing and thank every single person, 
It's like now it's gonna be 400 pages, you know, or whatever, right? It's gonna just expand and expand and expand. So, um, okay, so just to, at fifth grade, I said I wanna be more serious about wrestling, I quit baseball, and I put more time into wrestling, I got better. In ninth grade, I said I'm quitting f- football, and I'm doing wrestling is all I'm doing. This is all I wanna do is I wanna wrestle, that's it, I wanna be great. And so, you know, by this time, which is July, July 1, after my junior year, it's been two plus years since I said I wanna be great at wrestling. And in, as far as statewide, I had been making some really big strides, but nationwide, I had not really had mm. that success yet. And so that's where it kind of... And the of, Wisconsin guy wasn't helping, right? Yeah, and he was not helping at all. He, he had no interest in me, and he was even kind of saying some negative things about me, even though he didn't know shit about me. I mean, yeah, he didn't, he didn't know nothing about me because I was, I was genuinely, even to this day, like I was all the way in. I, was, I worked so freaking hard, you know? Um, and I love wrestling, and I never, I, to this day, I never smoked or drank or anything. Like I, I was, I may have came off. What the tobacco you lost? One time on a bed. Yeah. One time I did a dip of tobacco, and it was gross. I don't know why people do that. Um, uh, yeah. So July first hit, and I didn't get any calls from any colleges. I was like, God dang it! Like you know, I want to go wrestle in college, and I want to go to the Olympics. And if I can't go wrestle in college, I'm going to wrestle in the Olympics. And not one person called me. And. Um, so that was that was really depressing. But then yeah, so luckily the the big national tournament was about like I think it was probably like July twentieth or something something to that effect, right? So relatively shortly after that July first date, when I got I got skunked, no one called me, wow. um, and I finally broke through. Actually, that was where I lost that son of a bitch, Johnny Hendricks. Um, but I had a breakthrough. And I beat I actually I actually <laughs> beat the number one guy in the country. I think Johnny actually beat him also. Um, and then Johnny would then become number one in the country because he, he won that weight class. Yeah. Uh, but that was where I had my big breakthrough. And then a lot of co- co- college coaches started recruiting me after that. So were you treated, even though you did get a scholarship and yeah. the coach really wanted, but were you almost yeah. treated like a walk-on? Or were you looked at no, like uh, someone that maybe, uh, you know, just we, they didn't know your potential at that time? Um, no, I, th- I think they were actually probably really high on me. Okay. But I think one of the things Coach Smith does at Missouri, so Coach Smith is still at Missouri, um, and the Missouri staff, and they probably do this. I don't want to say better than anyone because there's a handful of colleges that do this really well. But they do a really good job of giving attention to everyone, and and everyone um, kind of gets better. Like with there's certain other programs where you would never ever ever see a walk on become an all American like Michael Chandler did. But Mizzou's had it happen a few different times. You know, it's like. Michael Chandler went from walk-on to All-American, but so did some other dudes, you know? So you and, definitely grow and get better at that yes, program. Yes, people at Mizzou, yes. Generally across the board, there's growth, there's people get better, and they, they kind of give attention to everyone, and that's, you know, that's something where you don't... Like I said, there's a handful of programs who do it really well, but not all programs do it really well. Mm-hmm. Ben, as far as the book goes, yeah. I know it's words on a paper, but it could still carry a tone. Yes. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Go this is it. what I picked up, Okay. When you talk about MMA, uh, you give us a lot of information, mm-hmm. uh, things that happen to you. But when you talk about wrestling, you kind of feel like this love. Did <laughs> yeah. you have the same love for MMA no. that you had for wrestling? Did it even come close? No, not really. And I, you know, I don't know if that's just because like wrestling was a, a first love. You know, it's something I did since I was five years old, and you know, I said at age eleven I started taking it really seriously, and then you know, at age fifteen I decided I want to I want to try to make the Olympic team. Um, and, you know, even today, right, so it's what I do, right? It's like coach wrestling. I talk about wrestling. That, that's what I do now. Uh, MMA, I always enjoyed. It was kind of a fun endeavor. Um, but the other thing about MMA, and, and you know, and, and I understand, I, I totally get it. So this is just this is my feelings, is it's not as pure of a competition. And I say this a lot, but in wrestling, 
if if you think you're the best in America, you're welcome to show up at the U.S. Open. You you can go sign up for the U.S. Open if you want to. Probably not a good idea. I wouldn't do it at Harvard. No. Okay, but you could. Mm-hmm. Okay, and if you're really the best in America, you're going to win a tournament, right? And then there's going to be a tournament called the World Team Trials. If you're the best, you're going to make the world team. And then guess what? America is going to send you to the world championships. If you're the best guy in the world, you're going to win that tournament too, right? And so there's this really like nice competitive format um, every single year. No one says I'm the best. No one in wrestling says I'm the best in the world because people are like, okay, like show up at the world championships and win. No one believe you. You know, like everyone knows who the best is. And there's this awesome competitive, you know what Chael says? Chael says competitive architecture. That's the word he uses. Um, and in MMA, you don't always get that. You know, like uh, say a, a Kamzat, right? you know, uh, he could have, who knows, like if he would have been able to enter the tournament in 2019, does he win then? Makachev, if he can enter the tournament in 2017, does he win in 2017? I mean, mm-hmm. if you literally have a bracket, right? This is a, and you enter, who's going to come out on top? Where MMA has the business relationships, the fighting styles, the popularity. They have all these different other promotions. things. Different promotions. You know, they do a better job than, say, boxing. Um, but that those issues are still there. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. And then what about, you always kind of seem like the underdog, even when you're not the underdog. Okay. Who is on your told you so list throughout your career? People that you just felt good proving wrong. Um, Davis. Barry Davis. <laughs> Barry Davis is getting more more shout outs on this show than any show in the past twenty years. That's that's funny. Um let's see. Well you mentioned him a few no, times. No, so I, I so. think there's yeah, I, th- I think there's this um You as- also use the word resolve a lot. <laughs> I think there's this aspect of human beings who like to say, um like to tell other people they can't do things. You know, and say, and you so, just told me I can't win the world. So. Yeah, and you told me to you. my ass wrong. I, yes, exactly. You told Richie Dunn, oh, what well, big deal? You want yeah. the state title? What's next? Yeah, oh, my God damn. Now you... <laughs> I just got yes. to show off the four chapters yeah, I did read. Go. George um, told you you couldn't be on time. Look what happened. God damn it. Sometimes <laughs> you're right. It's so, it's so, sometimes you guys are funny. Proved you sometimes proved you're, you're right. a liar. You said you never smoked. I proved that time. That no, I didn't smoke. Tobacco. I, ne- I never smoked. Well, it's a form of smoking. That's not smoking. You lost a bet on the disc. Yeah, and I had to take a dip. That's not smoking. All right. All right. <laughs> so there's this aspect that, uh, and I feel like, and obviously if you pay attention to social media, and I don't, I don't anymore, but as a teenager, you're talking about the forums. It's like you hear what people say, and people say, oh, you can't win a state title, and then you go win a state title. And people say, oh, his style is good for high school, but he'll never do that in college. And then you go do it in college. And then people say, oh, yeah, well, your, your college style, it can't translate to freestyle. You're never going to make the Olympic team. And then you go make the Olympic team. You know, mm-hmm. people say, oh, yeah, well, he, he's not going to be any good at MMA. You know, he's, he's, he's got a unique wrestling style, but it won't translate. And then you go be good at MMA. You know, so I feel like that's just like, that's what people do and what people say. And, you know, I'm sure um, you guys prognosticate for a living pretty much, right? So I'm sure there's plenty of dudes you've said like, I don't think that dude's going to be very good. And then he ends up being really good. Yeah, right. Charles Oliveira. I I thought he would just max out at being a guy that maybe won seven and lost three, but never became a world yeah, champion. And look at the role he's on now. Seriously, that, I mean that that's one where. Um, and when you said that, you were probably feeling pretty good about it, and a lot. Of, and there probably weren't a lot of people who disagreed with you. Well, he wasn't even making weight at forty five. Yeah, he you was know, a disaster. He was, he was breaking a word that you use, and you know, that you yeah. says part of the wrestling community. Yeah. Um, I think and that's one aspect of MMA, though, is he's that... He's tough now, man. He's, he's really tough. He's great, yeah. Um, 
where in a, in wrestling, by the time you get to the college level and eyes are on you, you've likely had many hundreds of wrestling matches. And so if you had those type of times, you're either A, been weeded out, or B, you figured them out. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the two. Where Oliveira, you know, obviously had a high level of skill, but there was a bunch of things, parts of it that he hadn't figured out yet. And it kind of took him a while to figure it out. And, um, you know, and then he eventually did figure it out, and now he's a world champ, right? But there was no saying, because there's a bunch of other dudes who have been just like Charles Oliveira, who have had a lot of skill and have been very up and down, and they never figure it out. Yeah. And they're just always that guy, you know? So it's like, yes, obviously something clicked for him and made him really elite. Just a couple more from me, and we appreciate Good. your time. I got a piece so bad. All right. <laughs> um, folk style and freestyle. Yes. So folk style, what you guys do in college, yep. and I've heard the same thing. Sometimes it doesn't transfer it doesn't, yeah. to the international level. Um, however, the folk style is thought as a yeah. great base for MMA. Yes. So will there ever be an effort, or not an effort, but I guess – Will they ever try and make folk folk style? I guess no. will that ever change? I don't think so. Does because it seems like USA Wrestling at the same time. I mean, like they were so happy with the results this year. You know what yeah. I mean? That um, you would want yeah. more success, but with what's happening in high school and college being yeah. different from freestyle, how are they going to get yeah. there? You know? Yeah. So there, there's, there's. I mean, there's a small push for, um for the international style of freestyle to be what we do all the time as Americans. But yeah, I mean, given the level of success we have, um, I don't really see the necessity for a change. Um, you know, we're obviously Russia was out this year. We won the world title, but generally now, right? Not, not 15 years ago, but generally right now in the last say three to five years, we're probably one, two, or maybe three at worst, you know, we're really good at wrestling. Um, so no, I, I, I think that, that, that desire to change styles is going down. Folk style, obviously, is something we do just here in America. Um, and the other thing that people neglect about the argument is there's a lot of other countries who have their own endemic style of wrestling, right? Like, they got the, the Turkish uh, oil wrestling where they wear the diaper wars in the, in the boots and shit, you know? Um, <laughs> there, there's one, when I went, when, sure enough, when I went to, um, with one championship, I went to, um, what was the damn country called? Kazakhstan? No, Kyrgyzstan. And they're like, oh, this is our... Uh, I, don't, I don't recall what they called it, but this is our style of wrestling, essentially. Like, we have, and here's the rules, and it, it was different than freestyle. Where right? Valentina's from? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, exactly. We've been there, too. Nice. And Bishkek. Then, oh, the, Bishkek, that's where I went. That was the capital. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, Russia obviously has Sambo, which is really popular there, which is like, uh, you know, it's a, a form of wrestling or grappling, if you will. So, mm -hmm. no, I don't ever see it changing. And, yes, I think folk-style folk wrestling uh, is a great base for mixed martial arts. Next one. There's going to be a combat sports hall of fame that you're going to be a part of. Really? Will you have on, let's say, the proverbial one hat, UFC hat, Bellator hat? I'll have all my sandals. <laughs> What's that? I'll have my sandals on. You'll have your sandals on. But what, there, there's uh, got to be one um, no, promotion that I, I guess you're more fond of? or, or, or No, not really. No. Um, Nothing felt like home? Or more special? or No, not really. No, actually, and you know, kind of going through the book. I mean, I listen. I I, I enjoyed my time at Bellator. It got me my start. Um, I, the details of funny episodes with Bjorn in there, um, and I, I don't feel as negatively about him as some people did. Um, and one championship was good to me while I was there, but then you know, looking back at it, it's like I only got, and not, it's not all their fault, right? It's part of it was that douchebag Sapo. I only got six fights in four years. 
sucked. Mm-hmm. It sucked, you know? And like I said, it wasn't all their fault. Um, you know, a little bit was their fault where they were just having a hard time growing at that point. Um, but And then, you know, the UFC, obviously, they kept me out for a long time, but it was where I ended up. So, no, I, I, you know, I think I would like to just go in as, hey, I, I fought mixed martial arts. I fought in a lot of different motions. I said, uh, you know, as if you look at one championship in, in Bellator, like, I never lost in either one of those promotions. You know, I'm one of the better champions that both those promotions have ever had. Right. Um, so, no, I, I wouldn't want to wear a hat. No hat. I also no had, shirt. I had no, uh, no, uh, I didn't know hat clause in my contract. Well, okay. What I meant was t shirt then, maybe. No. Nothing? No. You just wear an M for Missouri? Yeah, that's fair, sure. Okay. Yes, and sir. then, again, didn't make it to the end yet. Yet. Yeah. But pro wrestling, God, I think you would have been pretty golden <laughs> there, man. No. Uh, um, and I and look, let me say it on yes. a few fronts. I think you could announce for them if you want to. I yeah. think you could be a heel manager if you yes. wanted to, or obviously yeah. a wrestler. Now we know the wrestling circuit's two hundred fifty, you know, days yeah. a year. You don't need to do that. You're set. Yeah. But uh, I, I just think, like like I say, you would gravitate, and fan, I think fans would gravitate yeah. to you. I think I think it'd been fun. I I met with them in 2020 after my hip surgery. Uh, I think it would have been fun, but I'm just not at that time in my life. I got three kids. I got five wrestling academies. I want to coach wrestling, and I want to be there for my kids. There's no dollar sign that does it? I don't think they're – I mean, I don't know if they said here's a million dollars. How many days How many days a year do you yeah, going to show up? Like a, an abbreviated schedule, like tell a Ronda me, tell Rousey. Me, tell type. me how many. How many days a month? Well, I don't know. You probably got to do the, the monthly pay-per-views, right? At least. And yeah. then, the, then the Raw after that, I guess the Raw, the Monday Night Raw. So only like three or four days? Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. Probably that, yeah. But if you said like ten days a month, that's the hip. Uh, I know. Uh, I know. I asked you. The hip's great. The hip was great it's leading awesome. into the Jake Paul fight, right? Like you felt like, yes. hey, I shouldn't have even retired from MMA. It could sustain the I pro feel, wrestling yeah. bumps. Uh, uh, I would assume, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a number out there. Uh, if they said you, if they want me fifteen days a month, there's not. There's probably not a number. Got it. There's probably not a number. Or maybe if they said something, hey, $10 million, okay, I'll do it for a year and then I'll we'll quit, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. But no, if it was something like, hey, we want you for the next five years for 15 days uh, a month, I'd say, no, I'm going to miss my kid's childhood. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goes anything else? Yeah. So in the book, you're, you're very honest. You mm-hmm. don't make any excuses. Yes. But I'm just curious, looking back at everything, yeah. is it, was there a path? It, should this contract have come in or this particular fight? Where you could have gotten that UFC belt? Yeah, but if I don't suck and beat up George, uh, you know, I get the shot. And uh, I mean, obviously, the other one we talked about already at length is if I get a contract in 2013. I mean, I think that was kind of when I was at the the peak of um, my skill level before my body started deteriorating, and I and I had built that you know good MMA skill. I, I did like that part that uh, you kind of gave George's props, and you yeah. said that some people come at him and say. Yeah, it's it's lucky, and it really wasn't. It was lucky, but that's all you you only need to be lucky sometimes. That's yeah. it. Um, Helps George George had brought up Jake Paul, and I was thinking a little bit about him. So when I was asking you about mm. people always underestimating things yeah. that you can do, yeah, I kind of did that to Jake Paul over and yeah. over and over, and I feel like people are still doing that. Still, yeah. At the end of that fight, did you ever imagine he would continue to keep doing what he's doing? Uh, no, I thought Tyron was gonna beat him up. Yeah, yeah. So and what about tough. after that? Uh, now I guess we'll see. Yeah. You yeah. think Anderson gets him? Uh, we'll see. Well, what do you think, though? Which way are you leaning? See, uh, I'm on team MMA, man, no matter I, I what. I don't really care. Yeah? No. Kind, okay. of, kind of a different. All right. Yeah. Before we end, I have to squash a beef with you. But we he got crane beef? kicked me the other day. He crane kicked me a year ago. I did? Yeah. Uh, you basically gave me an answer that had 
I couldn't say anything. You okay. shut me up. We did an unpopular opinion with you. Okay. And he started off by going, I hate Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, I do. And right away I was offended. <gasps> How could he say that? But then he said, if Thanksgiving food was so good, there'd be a Thanksgiving restaurant. And I thought about it. Capriotti's has that sandwich. They have a sandwich, <laughs> but there's no Thanksgiving. Like There's not. It doesn't exist. People and if it were like that it. great, there would be, right? Yes. Right. But if it sucked, everybody would go, Mom and Dad, I'm not coming from home for Thanksgiving, too. I don't know. But you fucked me up for about two days. Just sitting there thinking, I go, he's right. <laughs> we're going to fuck up his kidney. So let's end uh, it here. <laughs> Funky uh, by Ben Askren. Check it out. It's awesome. This is where I'm at. I'm at the halfway point, and I'm loving it. I'm wishing it was 400 pages ha. because he tells some great stories. You wrote it very well. Thank you. It's very, very interesting. And you can go to simonandschuster.com, and there Amazon are the links where you Barnes can get it, like Amazon, Barnes yeah. & Noble. Very easy uh, to scoop up, especially in time for Christmas. I think it'd be an excellent gift for somebody. Like I say, I really, really liked it, and I don't read many books, but you did a Thank great you. job. Appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Ben, for stopping by MMA Junkie Radio and uh, opening up and all the good stuff, man. All right. All right, folks. We are out of here. (laughs) Be champion. All right, guys. You and I have both probably heard the interview twice. We were there when it happened. And then I know you've listened to it. I've listened to it. But um, it was really, really a fun chat. And we did jump around quite a bit. We probably drove him nuts bringing up Johnny Hendricks' number. uh, (laughs) But uh, I just love how kind of how open he was and how um, he came across as like a regular dude, some cockiness, some swag still remains there from his competitive days. But I think more than anything, just a guy that worked hard, chased his dream and made it happen. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, it's that drive that a lot of wrestlers have uh, that maybe others don't have in, in other sports helps you overcome certain things you know ben is like it's i don't want to say it's a miracle he's he is the way he is but he wasn't like the most athletic guy i just think he was really really intelligent i think he was always a step ahead and um you know even when you talk to him you feel that way so i think he closed the gaps on on where he probably uh wasn't as athletic as say like a michael chandler or someone like that uh, he closed the gap with those types of things. But it was a fun interview. It was fun seeing him. The only guy he ever punched was Michael Chandler. I'm glad he shared that. Yeah. Luckily, it wasn't some big, straight, powerful, booming cross. It was just basically a reaction to him just <laughs> pushing back on his forehead and jarring that nerve. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, all right, folks, hopefully you uh, enjoyed that. Funky always delivers, in my opinion. And as always, we thank you for tuning into our show. We're going to get on out of here. I think an hour and a half of us is enough for anybody. But um, if you want more MMA Junkie Radio, or at least of the hosts that host MMA Junkie Radio, don't forget you can catch Spinning Backlick now. It's basically part of the routine. It's live on Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So that's a, that's about 45 minutes to an hour live there of us and our colleagues discussing all the major stories in mixed martial arts. And then, of course, you can count on our show being delivered to you as well, recapping, previewing, covering the latest news. So we appreciate the follows, the shares, the retweets, your support. It means a lot to us. We're going to get on out of here, but keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout the rest of the week and the weekend as there are two big shows this week. Again, Bellator and UFC. We'll see you all on Monday. 
Enjoy the weekend. Go out and be a champion.